Hi, everyone, and welcome to Dylan's Debate. My name is Dylan, and I will be your host for this podcast. So if you're new to my podcast, then thank you so much for tuning in. If you have been listening to the podcast for a while, then thank you for listening. Today, we are going to be talking about having type 1 diabetes during a pandemic. But in this episode, I won't be alone. This time, we have two special guests joining us. My mom, Shari, and my cousin, Peter, will be joining us. I picked these two family members specifically because they both have type 1 diabetes. Now, you might be wondering what type 1 diabetes is for those of you who don't know what it is. Well, there's actually two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. Type 1 is a lot worse, though, because when you have type 2, your body just produces insulin abnormally. So instead of type 1, where when you have type 1, whereas when you have type 1, your your pancreas just doesn't produce insulin whatsoever. But when you have type 2, your body, as I said, your pancreas, as I said, produces insulin just abnormally. So insulin, for those of you who don't know what it is, is what your body uses to break down the sugar that you eat. And according to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, also known as JDRF, they say that type 1 diabetes is a serious autoimmune disease where the pancreas stops producing insulin. And without insulin, your body will keep getting sugar. And over time, it can affect your major organs. But did you know that 1.6 million people have type 1 diabetes in the U.S. alone? I certainly didn't. And by 2050, there are an estimated 5 million people who are expected to have type 1 diabetes. By then, and with and just with 43 40,000 people each year alone just getting diagnosed. But another thing is that 200,000 people just under the age of 20 have type 1 diabetes. And according to VeryWellHealth.com, some famous people that have type 1 diabetes include former NFL player Jay Cutler, singer Nick Jonas, and Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. And without further ado, let's virtually bring our guests in. Hi, Mom. Hi, Peter. How are you guys today? Hey, Dylan. Doing great, Dill. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm glad I, I can have you guys on my podcast via Zoom and Anchor. Okay, well, how are your quarantines been lately? Um, my quarantine has been a lot of fun. I get, I get to hang out with my entire family. And I get to spend time with the dogs, take walks. Um, I'm starting to get, um, uh, let's see, a little bit antsy. I want to go out to restaurants and eat inside. That would be great. That would be fun. What about you, Peter? My quarantine has been long, so I think we're just over five months now. Uh, and I would say in my past 30 years, I've never stayed anywhere in one place for five months. So I'm used to going out, I'm used to traveling, I'm used to going to work, I'm used to going and doing things and being with people. And so it is, like Shari said, it's fine. I'm here with my mom, uh, my husband, Patrick, our, our three dogs now. But um, Three dogs? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got my little, my mom's dog, Zoe. Yeah. And um it's getting a little bit long, so it was nice being home, but I'm I'm anxious to get going somewhere. You do a lot of traveling, right? I do a lot of travel for work and for pleasure, um, and I really don't have any plans to go traveling right now. Going on an airplane is not not something I'm interested in doing for the time being. But you make sure he, to bring your. going to hang on for his passport. But mom, he yeah. brings his man purse with you. Did you know that Peter has a man purse full of diabetic supplies? I didn't know that. I, I know it's a very, it's very cool. I, I'd like to get him one that's a little bit more stylish, just plain Actually, black. He needs something. We could we could like bedazzle it. Since you since you both <laughs> see my man, man purse, and since I visited you, every time you see me out of my house, I have it. The beauty of quarantine, the positive things for when you're a type one is I'm not taking supplies anywhere. Everything I have is in one place, it's in my home. I don't go anywhere, so I can't lose anything. I don't forget anything. Uh, It's quite nice, so that man purse has seen better days because I'm not using it anymore. 
Yeah, I saw on Instagram <laughs> you were posting, and you're like, I got my man purse, and then you just button your coat, and it's like a long just stripe going down the middle. You could also yeah. do it around your shoulder maybe, and you could be like, you know, my mom. My mom just carries around a purse with her, you know. It's like, you know, she'll carry her wallet next to there and her phone and her diabetics. It's like, you have a man purse. She's a purse. My 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 purse weighs like fifty pounds though. It does. I, yeah, I would I, I would say that. My tablets. What are the it's tablets for, hard. Mom? To prevent. Well, if I'm going low, I take some of the tablets. It's sugar, and it brings me back up again. So I have to be careful. I I, I have to check before I drive, and you know, go anywhere. Um, and, uh, to make sure that my sugars are okay, that I'm not going to drop, I'm not too high. That, cause you so. could pass out if your sugars go too low, right? Yeah. Thank God that it hasn't happened to me. Um, <laughs> that, that, thank God, not, not, not going wood hasn't happened. So, but, but I've had some, some bad lows. Um, but you know, uh, every day, every day is, uh, a learning process with diabetes. Peter, do you carry around tablets for your for when your sugar goes low? Yeah, it's funny. Your your um. So the answer is yes. Sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, your your mom has your mom was diagnosed many years before I was, and I remember her telling me when I was diagnosed, she has to carry around juice boxes in, in her car. I'm like, why would you need to do that? I don't get it because I didn't. I understand that going low. I understand. I didn't understand the. The emergency that you could be uh, find yourself in an emergency situation going low with nothing to lift you up, which could be juice or glucose tabs or cookie or ice cream or anything sweet or pure sugar. Um, but I would say I, I 80 percent of the times um, have something on me. I also uh, myself and your mom are on a Dexcom, so it tells us where our blood sugar is at all times. But there are times where I go for a beach walk in the morning where I just forget to take something and I'm like, oh, yep. my God. Yeah. I don't have anything. If I go low, it could be dangerous. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, yeah. I think, was I, it you? My mom said you were in another country and you didn't speak the language and your sugar dropped completely and you had to like go into this bar and you didn't speak the language. And like you were asking for like something sugary. What happened? Like, do you, can you just... Yeah, so I was, I was in a store. I was in Portugal. It was my first day there. A lot of times when I travel, the first day is always the roughest. You have jet lag or... Your whole body's thrown off. And I was in a store. I, I don't think I heard my alarm go off. It might have been on silent, as sometimes our alarms are. And the next thing I know, I started sweating. It was very clear that I was having a severe low. Uh, it was in a clothing store. They had nothing in that store. So I ran out on the street and really tried to find my way to the closest deli or anything. Uh, it was, I think, like a you know, little small restaurant. They didn't speak English. and But everyone understands panic and yelling. So when I started waving my hands and like, give me juice, they got the message. Um, but it can be very scary, especially when you're unprepared for it. Yeah. What kind so of alarm are you we, talking about? Like, do you, is it your sensor alarm? Like, what is it? Yeah. So that for me, it's my, it's a, called a Dexcom. It's the CGM, uh, continuous glucose oh, monitor. It tells us where our, where our blood sugar is at all times. It changes every five minutes. So it's a life-saving device for, for most uh diabetics we use it it's very expensive so many people don't use it fortunately we have good insurance that covers yeah. it but it really it with living without it is very difficult with it, it an alarm goes off and it tells me when i'm going to go low or right now i'm a little high it will the alarm will go off and it allows us to what we say correct ourselves either with insulin or sugar to bring us in range Okay. But you made me put mine on silent for, for this interview, Dylan. So. Well, so let me know so I can listen. Well, I don't want to hear vibrate. like. I mean, they they should have a setting on the phone where you can put like everything on silent except for your Dexcom. Like any health apps you have on your phone, you just leave those on silent. Like they should have that. Yeah, I. Well, you hear my pump going off at night, right? Yeah, it's like. And I have yeah. to like wake you sometimes because you don't normally like if I fall if I'm watching TV and then I fall asleep in your bed like I will literally legitimately wake you and I'll be like mom like at first I'll yep. think oh it's fine but you usually don't wake up to that like I'll if I'm if I'm sleeping on your couch in your room or something, you like won't wake up. You know, dad wakes up whenever his cell phone vibrates on the side. I'll be like, 
I'm up. Yeah. I'm up. What do I yeah. need to tweet? Like, and then, yeah, but last night that happened and I woke and I tried to tap him. You guys, they're heavy sleepers, Peter. So I will, like, yeah. tap them. I'll be like, tap, 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 tap. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't do that. Um, but she doesn't wake we, up. I have to give no, her a kiss. We're just ignoring you. Hear you? I have to give her a kiss <laughs> on the cheek. What if I vomited or something? Um, then Next. then I would probably wake up. <laughs> what if I said, "Mama, mommy, I vomited on your face." <laughs> Tell him. <laughs> I we don't we don't we don't know oh. what could happen. Okay, so I gave a little info about type 1 diabetes in the intro, but can you guys just give kind of more of a background, some more further information that I might not have covered? Well, you want, do you want to read the stuff that, that you researched? Well, that's going to be in the intro part, Mom. Oh, okay. No, I said that, oh, I said all it, that in the intro. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know how you were uh, doing this. Okay. <laughs> well, I said some information in the intro about some famous people that have it. Statistics, of course. And um, do you guys just want to give some personal kind of information about what it's like for you guys to have type one during quarantine, like living? Do you guys have to take more precautions than like other people who don't have health condition? Uh, definitely. I mean, you have to constantly be, you know, monitoring, um, you know, what you're doing, your activity, what you're eating, um, you know, carb counting. It's, it's just a nonstop, um, uh, process and it's, you know, um, it's scary and it's, um, it's hard, it's very hard to, to live with. I've had it since I'm 32 years old and I'm 51 now. So, um, I'm almost, almost 20 years and it's, you know, it, it's still, it's still hard. I mean, they've made a lot of improvements in the technology, but, um, we're there, you know, still not there completely. So, you know, it's hard, it's hard to, you know, uh, be active or, you know, be spontaneous. You always have to, you know, um, uh, do everything um, very calculated, and um, it's you know, it's it's very difficult. You, you know, it, you live with me, so you know what I go through. Yeah, right? I didn't realize a lot of this. Like for some of you guys who knew my mom had diabetes, or for some of you who didn't, who are listening to this right now, like I, you might you might know something about diabetes, but you might not. Like I I don't know a lot. I was trying to prepare for the podcast and like learn and I just sat down with you the other night and I just had a talk with you and I just learned a lot about it that I really didn't know much about before. Like for example, like my mom quizzed me and my dad, she she was talking about how like some people in the family, they don't ask about it. So she was like thanking me in a way because some people just don't ask her about it. And she appreciated, you know, kind of the recognition that I was actually taking the time to learn about it. But Peter, what's, what's yeah. your experience? With so I, I would add Dylan, uh, it's a great conversation. Um, you know, which, what your mom said about every day is different. So that's number one. There, there's no real patterns. There's no, what we did yesterday might not work today. And a lot of people don't understand that about diabetes. That is, you know, they think that maybe we we wear a pump like your mom. Uh, she, she's on a insulin pump to, that delivers insulin. Because, you know, as type 1 diabetics, which your mom and I are, we know there's two types, 1 and 2. We're type 1, which is an autoimmune disease. So we don't produce insulin anymore. So your mom gets her insulin from her pump. I get it through giving myself shots. injections, shots. Uh, but what worked yesterday, the amounts that we did it and when we did it uh, may not work exactly today. So it's not like uh, we take one shot in the morning and we're done. It's a constant management throughout the day. So that's the frustrating part. Um, some days we, we are really good and maybe it could be good for three or four days. Good meaning it's, we're in range. Our numbers are good. Uh, and some days we're at a whack. And I know your mom... A lot of times her goes very high at night. Sometimes I go low at night. So, you know, it's every day is different. Every day is frustrating. Every day brings new challenges and we learn more every day. Um, but it's in, far, in terms of quarantine, one thing that's changed a lot for me is 
you know, I used to be very active and when I went to work and I, when I traveled. So I, it's easy for me to, when I'm out of my house, to put on 10,000 steps a day. And exercise actually helps with your blood sugar control. The more exercise you do, the more in control generally you can be. Um, and for me, the shift of not being moving constantly uh, has made a difference. Um, you know, stress affects your diabetes. So the more stressful you are or your control, the more stressful you are, your, your blood sugar uh, goes high. And I found that not being in my office is less stress because sometimes there's a lot of stress in the office. I still work, I'm working from home, but um, there's not a lot of stress in my day of, of um, that I might've had before, especially when I travel, when I lose things. You know, <laughs> when, you lose, when you lose your insulin pen, that's a lot of stress. Um, so, so staying home is actually less exercise, more of a challenge, but a little bit less stress. So that's better for me. You know, the, the exercise you have to be careful with because you have to kind of figure out, should I eat something before? Should I cut back my insulin? Because I, I could do that with my pump. Um, but, you know, it's it's not a perfect science. So, you know, if I go out and, you know, I do my gardening, that's burning a lot of calories. I'll come in and uh, not have eaten enough and my sugar starts to drop again. So it's, it's you know, I can't, like I said, do what I want when I want. I have to prepare to um, to be active or, you know, uh, go out, drive you to school. I have to always check before I do and to be safe. No, you do. You do. Whenever we leave the house for dinner, you're like, you know, you're in the bathroom just like checking. And um, while you're in the bathroom, sometimes you might be like during the day for reasons like Peter was talking about how he takes insulin shots. What is it, Peter? Every night, every day? What is it like? Well, you actually take you take one in the for me. It's it's a one a day. It was two types of insulin without getting too technical. So one you take, I take it in the morning. It kind of it's like a twenty a slow release insulin, like a slow release vitamin C. And then the <laughs> other it's you take at every time you eat. And then you sometimes take some to correct yourself if your blood sugars are high. So I might give myself five injections a day or six injections a day, constantly releasing insulin to keep myself in range. Yeah, my mom said that when she was dating people after her first husband died, she didn't want to lug around the pump. She didn't want to like lug it around on her side. It's it's like for some of you who've never seen a pump before, it's not that it's not a huge thing that you have to lug around. It's maybe the size of an Apple iPod or something. It's the size of an Apple iPod, I'd say. And that's it's still pretty pain. It's like difficult to lug around because imagine lugging around that weight on your hip it's annoying so my mom gave her those insulin injections but when she started dating my dad she stopped because she was dating him for months on end so she didn't or just months so she didn't so she felt comfortable just wearing the pump and that's you know that's that she just said made my life easier yeah the pump she said it just gives her like little shots of insulin throughout the day. So it acts like a pancreas and um, diabetes is just where the pancreas shuts down. You don't have insulin. So that would act like a pancreas giving yourself little shots of insulin each day. So it definitely sounds like right. an annoying disease. Yeah, it is. It is very annoying. Very annoying. Are there any, so are there any workouts and food? So I'm going to start with like working out. Can, are there certain types of workouts, certain types of stretches that you guys can do that might not make your blood sugars go berserk or anything like that? Because I know, Peter, you do a lot of exercises. Like, mm -hmm. Mom, on his Instagram stories, like, he'll just I be know. running up an escalator. I saw that. I was yeah, like, that's so funny. You're going to, like, fall. It looks like you're about to fall. Peter's Peter a good diabetic. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not easy. Yes, so I would use exercise. I use exercise a lot to lower my blood sugar. And that, for instance, you mentioned the running up and down, running up and down escalators. I that was in I was in Amsterdam, and I did not have insulin on me. My blood sugar was high. It might have been three in the afternoon. Oh my god! And so, what do you do when Harry. your blood sugar is high? It's not good to be high, so you have to lower it. And exercise lowers exercise. Exercise lowers your blood glucose. So for me, running any type of cardio will lower my blood glucose but sometimes lifting weights can raise your your um your blood sugar because um 
you're releasing endorphins and that raises your blood sugar. So it's, it's always this constant balance. You have to know what kind of exercise you're doing. Um, and then you need to react either way, either taking insulin before or, or not taking insulin. There's a lot of different things you have to uh, learn about your own body and every body's different. Some I, people I know do that cardio. about the lifting weights. What'd you say, Sharon? I know that. Oh yeah, lifting weights. I didn't weights. know that about lifting weights. I can't join the, you know, the Miss Universe, you know, <laughs> Well, you there. can, but just gotta, you know, some, some people lift weights and I have a lot of friends who are really into that uh, and teach about it and they will give themselves a microdose, a small amount of insulin oh, before okay. they lift weight to keep themselves even. But you have to learn how your own body responds to exercise, to stress, to insulin, to glucose, and, and this is all part of managing the disease. I, I, the last thing I'll say about exercise is I find that yoga is very helpful for, uh, for me with diabetes. Uh, it tends to you know, keep myself calm, um, and that reduces the stress in the body and that keeps blood glucose love, uh, level. Um, and yeah, I find that yoga is a very good way to get exercise without really raising my blood sugar or dropping it too fast. Yeah, well, it, I, I, yeah, I was going to say it probably doesn't, uh, you know, uh, do a lot to your levels. No. I think, yeah. Well, are yeah. there any foods that you guys have to stay away or actually are there yeah are there any foods that you guys should stay away with like I know for example maybe you shouldn't be eating like fast food like a fast food hamburger and fries and stuff like that and a milkshake all at once like I I, I know that you probably shouldn't be eating that for example um some like mom, you eat like sometimes like when your sugar goes low, you'll just start like you'll eat some cereal or like some sucker cereal. candies. Yeah, peanut yeah. butter cereal. You like peanut butter. She likes. I have. I, I have a problem controlling that because when I eat the cereal, I have to have like two bowls and then forget it. Like, <laughs> sugar all the charts. I it, it's got to be like Reese's peanut butter cereal or Captain Crunch. And that's not. That's that's really bad. Well, I mean, if your sugar's dropping to like I don't I don't know what. Is like a hundred a normal sugar level? Like my mom said once, like ninety is a normal sugar level, something like that. I think. What are yeah, I think a hundred is uh, a good number. I mean, in yeah. general, I think between eighty and a hundred, everyone's different. But we like to say a hundred in the in the uh, you know in the diabetes online community, um, which is a, it's a very big community uh, online on Facebook, Instagram. A hundred is you know we we post it as a unicorn. <laughs> so something that you catch occasionally that oh we don't know God. if it's real or not. So it's called a unicorn and it's a hundred and that's a really, you know, it's a, it's a good number in range. Oh my God. That explains it. I was looking on, um, I think JDRF or beyond type one.com. And I found, I scrolled to the bottom and I found this story. It says Starbucks names unicorn Frappuccino out of after diabetics and I didn't understand that. So now I understand ah. why they call it. Oh, I didn't that, even know that they cool. had a yeah. unicorn frappuccino. I'm going to have to search that, but I saw that. So I'm, so they named that after diabetes diabetics. So I guess that's, it's like pink and purple. It's like pink and blue. Yeah. So you wait, you've heard of it. I have, I've heard it. Yeah. There was some controversy about Starbucks originally. Cause I think when they came out with that, um, with that drink you couldn't eat uh, it diabetics can't even drink so, it it's so much sugar in it that it's like <laughs> this is crazy what? and there are people saying oh this will you know, people make jokes sometimes they say like oh they put you into a diabetic coma well you know for diabetics sometimes the jokes are hurtful so there was a lot of controversy about people making jokes about it and maybe that's why they say we're doing this in honor of the diabetes the unicorn that we all chase at number 100 Maybe uh which is sugar free yeah Okay. But so, you know, yeah, the sugar-free would be great, actually. Yeah. There's so many. Um, you know, Tilly, you bring up something that, you know, because your mom and I have different diets, but something that I like to bring up when I speak to people about diabetes is, you know, we, we can't eat anything. So your mom can have a carrot cake and I can have a slice of pizza. And if we want to eat bad or, or healthy or unhealthy, that's our choice. Right. As long as we also know how to manage it, because I can, you know, pizza is one of the hardest things to eat for diabetics for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's a fat carb combination that really screws up our blood sugar. And it's hard to get insulin to match that. But yeah. generally, you know, we can have a piece of cake and take the right amount of insulin to 
to balance it, we're okay. My, my own approach to diet and food is that I try to eat healthy because diabetics, we always have problems with our cardiovascular systems. That's one of the complications. If we're not healthy, it's down the road. We want to, I want to keep healthy. So in general, I want to have a healthy diet. We all know what that means. So I, I eat healthy for that reason alone, just to keep my body in good shape. But also when I you eat healthy, you, you tend to uh, have a little bit better time with the insulin. It's a little bit more predictable. But we can eat anything anytime we want. Yeah. It's just a matter of do we, how are we going to manage it. You're a vegetarian, I, right, Peter? I, I was a, well, I was a vegan at first. I mean, <laughs> first I ate anything. Then I was mm -hmm. a pescatarian when I went to vegan, then back to uh, pescatarian. But yeah, I would say more. I'm more more of a vegetarian with fish right now. I don't eat dairy. Wait, what's a pescatarian? Uh, mommy's, a, mommy's a cookie cookie-tarian. <laughs> Wait a sec. What's a pescatarian? I don't a, think I've ever a heard. A pescatarian of means I eat fish. So uh, you know, a vegan is no meat, no animals. Uh, so I do eat fish. Um, but for for a few years, I managed. I was misdiagnosed. I was diagnosed as type two, initially. Uh, I was diagnosed much later in life, six years ago, and uh I, I was using a diet to help me that was more geared towards type 2 diabetics which a vegan diet is very helpful for for people with type 2 and uh, any chronic disease so was, i ate that but i've since lessened that and uh, i have a more robust diet today so they misdiagnosed you because like my mom told me you had type 2 at first then it became type 1 so i don't do you, do you what yeah so there's something you know, when you get, uh, we understand that uh, a lot of children get diabetes, right? So a lot of type one diabetes are really, uh, a lot of children, people below 20, 25, are the ones who really discover they're type one diabetics. Your mom was a little bit later in life and I was much later. And I was something called, what's called LADA, L-A-D-A, -A, uh, which is late autoimmune diabetic uh, in adult or something like that. I forget the exact um, but it's an autoimmune disease, very similar to type one. Uh, some people call it type one and a half, and it happens later on in life. So when, when children are diagnosed with type one diabetes, they get it very fast. They, they get the, the, they, it's a rapid onset of the disease. When, when you're diagnosed later on in life, as I was at 56, it's a much slower onset and they call that LADA or LADA. Um, it's, it's di diabetes in adults, but these are all type one. They're all forms of type one. So I, I got mine late, but you know, third, 32 is late to get like on the cusp. They, they said say. because I think I was researching and they said there was so 40,000 people actually under the age of 20 had gotten it. So I think the reason I think you were telling me this, mom, you got it like 12 years over the average age. So they thought that that was weird because you were it's as peter said that was very that's kind of late in life for kind of and i'm going to use this a diabetic cutoff can i say like yeah, for okay an, an yeah. average diabetic cut yeah, well, yeah it, it's um there's a lot of young people that get it yeah yeah um, it's like a bell curve so you know i'm on yeah. one extreme and, yeah. and a child that gets it at one years old is the other extreme but you know, a lot of a lot of children will get it at seven, ten, fifteen, twenty. That seems to be where a lot of people get diagnosed. Anyone, but I'm not definitely one street. Anyone can get it, but like it's just that right. all age disease. Like it's it's more unusual. Yeah, but Sharon, did you did you have gestational diabetes? I had gestational diabetes with Devin, um, your brother, who's twenty years old, and. Um, we just controlled it. I controlled it with my diet. I didn't have to go on insulin. And um, so, was it when, like type two in a way? No, uh, gestational. It, it's it's uh, like type one. You have to you have to be really careful because right. what happened? I had a, a large baby. Devin was ten pounds four ounces, right? Oh God! <laughs> and you know, I, I, I during your pregnancy, you want to eat kind of what you want to eat. I, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't eat my cereal. I couldn't eat my Reese's peanut butter cups. So I had to be very careful. And then it went away. And um, it, uh, I was 30 when I had Devin and came back, you know, a couple of years later. And when I had you, um, when I was dun, close dun, to dun. 40, you were 11 pounds, 10 ounces, 
So mommy was. I was the whopper. You were a whopper. You were like, uh, you know, four months old. They were about to serve me for. They were about to make me a turkey and serve me for Thanksgiving. Yes, you look like a Thanksgiving turkey. Devin, the first thing my brother Devin said to me when I came out of the womb, he said, "She looks like an Eskimo." She, you were so cute. You were, you were, if you don't know you were, what an Eskimo is, look it up. You were, you were, you were too big, and and you had some complications after because uh, I, I actually, and I, I, I tell people this. I think in my own way, I'm one percent diabetic because when I was born, I got some of your diabetes because my sugar went crazy low. And um, they had to stick a tube up my yeah. belly button and pump me full of sugar. Wow. So yeah. to this day, I think yeah. that that is why I am so energetic because that sugar never left my body. It always just stays wrapped in a little bundle <laughs> in my pancreas, and I am um, that's it. It just keeps flowing. So um, that's that's why. yeah. I think you get that from your dad though. He's, I think no, you should go into medical science. Oh my god! Yeah, because that's yeah, because I I would make great opinions on that stuff. <laughs> you know, like why are babies big? Because the mom made a turkey for Thanksgiving. I don't even know. Right. I don't well, they even get know. The, they get all the sugar. You know, we'll talk to Sydney. Sydney's taking the MCATs right now, so we'll talk to her. Okay. You could you could ask all those questions. Well, yeah, I bet I bet she'll know. Okay. Okay, so. I know that some people, you know, as I was saying, you know, they have symptoms, but symptoms. do you guys have symptoms? Uh, symptoms? Did, well, did of, you guys uh, have symptoms when you got diagnosed? For your first diagnosed? diagnosis. Yes. Um, no, no, I, 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 I didn't have any symptoms. Um, I was sitting on the couch eating my Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, Basically the whole bag. I was having a party by myself <laughs> and I went to the doctor. I had a doctor's appointment. Um, Physical, right? Oddly enough, the next day and they, they did a test. They did a, a urine test and I had a lot of sugar in my urine and my doctor said, you have to go to an endocrinologist. Um, and uh, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I went there said you're you know not, not type two type one you're going to be insulin dependent and from then on I, you know, I had to learn how to use insulin how much and it was very difficult in the beginning because you have no idea you know how much you need and it's um you know uh, just a whole long process you know it's and so this day is like because everything changes all the time so so that was a it was a very really hard time really hard time yeah, for, for me, it was definitely different. It was, um, you know, we understand that for type one, this really, people don't know why, uh, scientists don't know why we get type one. Uh, some people may think it's a virus. Some people, it's, it's hereditary. In our family, actually, you know, uh, there's three of us who have type one, three cousins. Oh, um, Papa Dan had it too. He had a, well, he's type two share. Eventually he went to type, type one type two insulin dependent he was taking insulin at the end right. because he was his body wasn't absorbing it so real simple i mean still you may not cover this but you know type two your body your body doesn't use the insulin it produces type one we don't produce insulin that's a that's the big difference but the symptoms may be the same so i remember when i was uh, when i was coming down with the symptoms i was actually in israel um and i was my eyesight was getting blurry my feet were very numb Oh, wow. uh, I was urinating all the time. I couldn't control urinating. I was very thirsty. So these are all symptoms of type 1 diabetes. But in my case, no one, I didn't pay attention to them as I didn't understand that these were symptoms. Even my doctor didn't. Um, and I found out, as many people do, through blood tests. The blood test, like Shari said, measures your blood sugar. And, and so there's no confusion at all. You do not get type 1 diabetes by eating sugar. So even though Shari had Massive yeah, amounts yeah. of Reese's peanut butter, and I had <laughs> in my last two, right. I had a big pizza the day before I was tested, yeah. and I yep. was very high. That food does that has nothing to do with type one diabetes at all. Why we get it? So well, that's a coincidence. Yeah. But um, yeah. So so I didn't act on my symptoms, and I, I went to my annual physical, and my doctor said, "Hey, your blood sugar is high," and then uh, you might he sent me off. You pre diabetic, and then this is before I had those symptoms, and then. Six months later, I went back after I had these symptoms, and he says you're you're diabetic. 
you know, based on what's called the A1C, your three-month average of your blood sugar. So that was kind of freaky because I'd never expected him to say that. Because when he told me that I was pre-diabetic, that means pre-diabetic for type 2, he said it might take six or seven years to become diabetic. And it happened to me in five months from that moment because I was type 1 and it accelerated much faster than someone type 2. They told me after I had uh, uh, gestational diabetes that there was a 50% chance that later in life I would have type 2, but I, I skipped over that and I just went straight to type 1. You know, it was no, yeah. no, uh, what? We, we don't mess around in our family. We go, no, right we go, we, we, we right go straight to, to the top. <laughs> Mom, what so. is gestational diabetes? I can't even, did I pronounce that right? It's like, gest- uh, yeah, mm-hmm. gestational diabetes is something that, um, some women can get during their pregnancy. Um, so your pancreas isn't, I guess, um, uh, breaking down the sugar effectively. It's still, it's still doing it, but not, um, the way that it should. So you, some people have to go on insulin. Some people um, do it with uh, just diet like I did. And I was able to control it to some degree, although, you know, I had a, I told you Devin was very large. So. Is gestational very common amongst pregnant women? women? Um, that's, you know, it happens. I don't know what the percentage is. I'm not sure about that, but it, it does happen. Um, I mean, I was fortunate at the time mine went away, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I, it was, it was a tough, it's a tough time because you're pregnant and you also have this disease to worry about. So you, and you're worried about your baby and, you know, taking care of, uh, trying to keep everything at a normal rate, which is really hard. Um, but that would be an interesting thing to look up. I, I should have looked that up. I mean, yeah, yeah. You were saying to me how, um, you were talking to me and you said Peter is very involved in yes. diabetes a lot of the time. Yes. Like, um, you, you, you need to check out his Instagram. It's actually, it's like your headquarters for diabetes. I know. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's very, very good about that. Mommy is not as good, but, um, you know, uh, well, you know as much as you need to stay healthy and just then you know to kind of stay alive. I, I, I could. I'm. That's the most important sorry, thing. You know, more. You know, I, I think there's. You know, there's always room for more education on. You know, the uh, the disease, um, and I'm I'm striving. You know, for that. Well, your mom and I both have learned, uh, Dale, is that you know when you when you're diabetic, when you're type one diabetic. You see, your doctor is called an endocrinologist, so that's someone that specializes in the disease and others. Um, but typically, the endocrinologist is there to check your some of your vital signs and your overall health, and kind of see that you're staying on the path. But it's up to us to educate ourselves, uh, to read, to learn, because you know your your doctor doesn't have that much time to devote to you. I, I devote about an hour a day to learning to connecting with other diabetics uh and that's a that's a forever process so you can't your doctor can't give you that time so we have to reach out to specialists to educators to other diabetics who are very knowledgeable um and you mentioned earlier you know beyond type one and jdr from the major organizations that produce a lot of content information ways for us to connect with other diabetics conferences you know it's we have to learn a whole new language uh, to take care of ourselves and it's it just doesn't come out of that you know that one hour meeting or half hour meeting we have once twice a year with our doctors so what yeah. what made you want to start learning about diabetes and how long after you got diabetes did you realize that you need to learn about it so in my case i was my doctor when he uh, uh diagnosed me as type 2 uh said you should see a, a nutritionist see an educator they'll help you learn and which I did. I was really scared. Uh, so I did. And, and slowly through that process, I just started doing my own research, you know, Googling, you always start with Google and everything or ask Siri or maybe ask Alexa today. Actually you could ask Alexa, there's a new diabetes channel on Alexa that you could ask her questions about anything diabetic and she answers, but like is um, 100 is like 80 and yeah, normal glucose what's, level. Like, yeah, yeah. 
so it's interesting. But um, so I started reaching out, and through that process, I I actually found someone who had similar interests that I did in in biking and in yoga and in traveling because I was afraid to travel. I mean, I traveled I traveled four months out of the year, and I became afraid to travel. I didn't want to be alone and go anywhere. Kind of how I am now, right? In in quarantine. <laughs> um, so through that process, I connected with different people on about yoga, about travel. And this, you know, this is five years ago. And some of these uh, folks are very good friends of mine today through the process. And sometimes, you know, when you're on the, the diabetic online community, you might not even meet these people. You know, there were, I met people because I was able to travel, but even without travel, you're connecting online. You could be connected with someone for five years and really never meet them. But we know that, you know, we know them. And they, they're very good friends of mine today. So I got a lot of information from joining groups, uh, meeting others, getting involved in the community, in conferences. Uh, I have uh, tonight, Thursday, every Thursday night for the past six weeks, I'm with the Type 1 meditation group. Wow, I'm um, really proud of you. Wow, you really, really go out there. So it's, uh, you know, it's like, well, we have to, we're all educating and we do what we, what's good for us, right? So whether it's good for Shari or not, it's not important. We, everyone does what's important for them. And, and, uh, I find that staying connected for me helps me, you know, with my sanity and also with managing my disease. Yeah. I, I find that, you know, once in a while, a bowl of cereal helps. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a bowl of cereal in six years. But. Really? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. But I never I, liked I cereal anyways. I weird. haven't had pizza in, in I don't know how many years. Yeah, pizza's a tough one. Yeah, that is. Okay, right. so the next one, kind of about marriage here. But um, for you both, what did your spouses, did when at what point in your relationship did you tell your spouses, or even when they were your boyfriend or girlfriend, what, what, at, or when they were your boyfriend, what point did you tell them that you were a diabetic and what was their reaction to that? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think with, well, with your, with your dad, I think it was um, within the first week, I, I think it was. Like of, there dating are certain or, of dating or marriage? Oh, dating. No, dating. I, you, that, that's, that's something you, you can't hide. I mean, they have to be on board with you or else, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be with that person. Um, I knew that if, if somebody couldn't accept me and, you know, my disease, you know, it, my disease doesn't define who I am. Um, but um, it, it, it's a, it's a huge part of my life. And um, your dad had to understand that or else, you know, we weren't going to be able to spend any more time together. And, he did, and he was very supportive. And um, you know, I think he's learning more about it um, all the time. He, you know, helps. He does um, uh, donate some of his time to charity to help the to find a cure for diabetes. But you absolutely cannot be with somebody who doesn't, you know, understand or at least try and understand, you know, what you're going through and, and, and help out if, if you need them. So wait, mom, what, so in the, in dad wrote a book about that. And in the book, uh -huh. he described how Jeff Rubin, his friend from college set you two up on a blind date. And it was Randy Jacklin who set you up on a blind right. date as well. Right. So did, I don't remember from that description. Did, did, Jeff Rubin informed dad about that uh, yeah. through like a text. Like she's, I know, I remember he was like, she's a 9-11 widow. She has one son she, who's eight years she's old. Type one diabetic. She drives a black car. No, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> Here's her social security no. number. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, he, he, that, that wasn't brought up because I don't, Jeff, they didn't, they didn't know about that. Um, and you know, uh, I wanted to tell your dad, you know, when I wanted to tell him, um, which was in the first week. Uh, so then I knew I, I knew I liked him. I wanted to spend time with him. So I wanted to be honest and tell him everything, you know. What about, uh, what about you, Peter? 
Are you so on mute? Yep. I was muted. I was, we had a thunderstorm coming. I got to give my little puppy a Benadryl because he's going to freak out. Oh, right. So, um, so for me, it was um, different. Uh, uh, you know, I was married for a few years already. Uh, I found out that I was diabetic. I, you know, uh, told Patrick that evening. It was a shock to him as it was a shock to me. More like a medical shock, like someone saying you have X. And so it was more like reacting to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you're married and I, in my case to a very supportive person, you know, they support you. And my family has been very supportive. Uh, my brother came out that, that night I was freaking out. Wait, my brother's brother a doctor. Again? My brother, Doug came oh, out Doug. to visit me, uh, cause I was freaking out and I was really, really concerned and, about my life. Uh, so he helped me, but I know that, um, it's very, this is a very tough subject for a lot of people, especially when they find out if you're 18, imagine, you know, you're in college and you're, you know, you're, you have to deal with going out with a, a guy or a girl. And, you know, are you explaining that first night you're diabetic? Some people don't want to bring it up that first night. You're just going to the movies or you're having a beer or something. Um, you know, you're hiding your device. A lot of people do hide their devices. Uh, they don't want their people to know. But obviously, you, you can't have an open, honest relationship without addressing the fact that you're a diabetic. And that comes to everyone's comfort level. Uh, and I know that for many people, their spouses or their dates were not supportive and, you know, you can't be in a relationship like that, but that's true with anything, right? If your spouse is not supportive, whatever's yep. going on in your life, uh, it's, it's a, I can say, and Shari knows this too, this is very hard on the spouses, yep. right? Yep. It's, um, uh, they have to learn a whole new way. It's, it's not, come here, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> Giving him a Benadryl. Well, and 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 He's not I, have, it. I have two children, right? Cover I have you and I have butter. Kevin. Cover it in peanut butter. <laughs> That's what we do to our dogs to get them to eat their meds. They love the, the cheese. So Dylan, I have you and I have Devin, right? So it's it's um you it, it's two more people I have to worry about. So I'm always right. you know concerned about um something happening to me and what's going to happen, you know, to you, who's going to watch you. And, um, thank God nothing, nothing has happened, but it's always on my mind. Um, you know, you always have to, uh, be prepared and, um, uh, and daddy has to be prepared. So it's just, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Our, our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, are they're all our support system we you know we need to learn to take care of ourselves but god forbid in that emergency emergency situation the people around us need to know how to take care of us and you know that dylan yeah Uh, yeah. my mom i don't i don't mom you're gonna need to train me in like a cpr or something like that (laughs) cpr i can show you how to i have we have we have something called glucagon and if your sugar goes really low you take that and um daddy had training Okay, what happens if your sugar goes high? Because am I just supposed to start shoving donuts in your face? Like, what, yeah. if you pass out I on the couch, do I just I start wish. like I feed Re- all Reese's peanut butter? butter. Or oh, Dunkin' oh, Donuts yes. would be great. I should take the cereal box and just dump it on her face and be like, have some milk. And then just yeah, no, but that's not, if my sugar goes, if my, um, if my sugar goes high, you have to take insulin. It's when it, when it goes down, that's when, you know, you get, you get some sugar. I was yeah, I was reading about that in, glucose tablets. in third grade. I read about that, and there was this woman who was pregnant, and I think she was going into labor. And this was in a book, and I'm pretty sure this was fictional. Because um, and the girl, her mom passed out on the couch because I think her sugar dropped. And yeah. um, mom, I remember telling you this. It was a book in third grade that I read. Other good, yeah, third and, grade. Yeah, yeah, and every book we read, someone dies or something yeah, like that. So the mom just, like, passed out on the couch, so the daughter had to start shoving sugar cubes in her mouth. <laughs> and, like, all of a sudden, like, the the daughter just delivers the Horrible. baby. And it's like, what? Oh my it's like, yeah, the daughter wow. delivered the baby. I don't even know how it happened, but the daughter delivered the baby. Oh, TMI. TMI? Yeah. It's a book. <laughs> TMI. It's a book. <laughs> come come I on. I know. Come on. I know. Come on. Mm. Do you guys, speaking of books, do you guys read any books about diabetes or any like articles or anything like that? Um, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I'll read about new uh, research or um, uh, if anyone has an online 
article, things like that. Um, I'm more of a quick reader. I think Peter you probably are? is. What? <laughs> You're more I, of a quick reader? Well, you know, I like to, I like to read about Take um, it in. new things that are going on with uh, type one diabetes and, um, uh, but I haven't, I haven't read a ton of books about it. I can't say that. I think, I think uh, Peter's more. Uh, yeah, and I would say I, I haven't read a lot. I mean, I, not a lot of books. Or, I mean, there's certainly a lot of books. There is a Bible uh, that's called Think Like a Pancreas. That's you know, people uh, say that's the Bible of our for type one or diabetics for dummies is another one. I mean, there's a lot of books that you read. You you definitely need to understand how to take care of yourself. And there's a lot of things that we do daily that we have to think about. And these books are helpful, but I, I do a lot of my reading online today. You know, I get email alerts. I'm on you know sites like Beyond Type One, reading content, stories about other people. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the technology, uh, the potential cures, that doesn't change too fast. So that's not it's not like new stuff is coming out all the time. It's a slow process there. So it's more just how to keep yourself healthy and. You know, that really doesn't get updated a lot. I think once you learn it, you just got to live it. Uh, but I, like I said, I, I, I'm online. I'm reading about an hour a day or staying connected, uh, you know, and trying to keep myself updated. Uh, there's no shortage of content that's out there today. Peter is really good, isn't he? He, I should take some he is me, right? Ma Peter. Yeah. Maybe you could like go on a Zoom call with my mom and introduce her to the community because you know you, you said <laughs> well, I'm ready. You said my mom isn't really on Facebook. She has my account, but she didn't really go through with right. it. Yeah, so I'm not good with the you have media. Instagram to stalk my page, but you don't. You just no. you just leave it on your phone. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I everyone, with Insta, with the with the social media. Yeah, everyone knows what they do. You know, like the the fact is that most people don't get their diabetic information from Instagram or or social media because they're really not on it. I mean, you know, and and different. You know, Facebook is good for certain group, Instagram for others. But uh, you know, we we joke that if uh if like if life was like it is on Instagram for a lot of people, we all have perfect diabetic lives, and we know that's not the case. So. Um, you know, we, we all do what we're comfortable with. That is some big blast of thunder. Wow. Okay. It's oh, like yeah. God I agreeing with me. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I don't even like hear that. It's it's like sunny here. My weather app is like checking on my watch if I'm looking down. Like it doesn't even doesn't even say any weather is gonna be bad yeah. today. Pretty, pretty nasty that here. Is, anyway. Okay. okay. Yeah, that is okay. Well, Peter, since you said you were falsely diagnosed with type two diabetes, do you think that mm -hmm. I I thought that you had type two and it became type one. No. So, okay, didn't okay because I was gonna ask you if your pancreas might still work a little bit. Yeah. So I think I Dale, I don't know if I got cut off earlier. We were talking about LADA. So being diagnosed late in life usually that means after forty. My little guy here is shaking, so I'm gonna sit with Aww. him. He's, he's totally Russell? shaking. Um. Yeah, Russell. So um. It's just when you when you're diagnosed younger as a kid, your 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 pancreas stops making insulin really fast. Um, later on in life, uh, LADA, LADA, uh, late onset diabetes, it's a slower process. So people joke about the honeymoon period. You know, I was producing pan, uh, insulin for probably a few years, small amounts, but I still had some insulin. My friends would say, "My God, you got a functioning pancreas for yourself," like you know. You still got, you're still making it, but it's, um, you don't really go from type two to type one. You're, you're really, your pancreas is under assault, under attack by your order, by your immune system. It's destroying your cells that produce insulin. It just happens faster when you're younger. Uh, it happens slower when you're older, but you're still type one or some people call it type one and a half. I don't think you go from type two to type one, just like you don't go from type one to type two. Two different conditions. It's okay. Okay. Well, finally, because we've been talking for like an an hour. Yeah. Um, so nice. It's so nice to talk to everyone. It, it is. is. It's so <laughs> nice, Peter. Maybe we'll FaceTime after this. <laughs> Anytime. Awesome. Okay. Well, dogs. We're going. I'm thinking. What do you guys think that there will ever be a cure for diabetes? Yes. 
Uh, the golden I, question. Shari, have you heard there's going to be a cure in before in your lifetime? I've heard that I, when, when I first was diagnosed, they said 10 years. Right. And then, it, you know, every, um, every, uh, every time I would, you know, read about research or see my dogs, okay, another five years, five years. But I, I think there will be, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll be, you know, uh, 90, but <laughs> I think there will be one. Um, you know, I know that they're doing a lot of good research and, um, my pump is getting better as far as, uh, acting more like a pancreas, um, than it did before. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful. Um, we'll, I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, saying that uh, uh, it'll be something that I'll be able to really use, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. You know, we're not the scientists, but we understand that I think they know how to cure diabetes. The scientists, scientific community will know how to re get your pancreas to, to start producing insulin again, but the cost that needs, you know, for research it's, you know, we're not even close there and the time that it will take. So what people talk about now in the short term are functional cures that, you know, the idea that if I could take one, just one shot a day that would manage my blood glucose, that would be fantastic. And, and yeah. so how do I live a, a, the most normal life uh, and how do maybe can we prevent kids from being diagnosed with diabetes? What, what can we do to slow down the onset of diabetes? I think that's what, there's a lot of research in those areas now. Uh, you know, a cure will come. It, like like Shari said, it might not be in our lifetimes. Uh, the amount of money and research, uh, there's so many dedicated people doing this for 40 or 50 years already. Um, just like other diseases like HIV and, you know, are they going to get a vaccine for COVID, which is completely different. It's a virus. But, you know, we have to, we have to understand that we need to live with a functional cure right now, things that will make our lives easier, uh, help us manage it better and work on identifying who may be coming down with it. So can we delay it a little bit in younger kids? I think there's a lot of research going on there. And the ultimate goal is, yeah, can we get our bodies to reproduce? And even yesterday, there was an article that came out that showed that they can cure diabetes in mice, you know, that they actually can get the body to produce insulin again. But of course, we're not mice, we're humans. Right. And there's a, long, there's a long road between mice and humans. So, but they, they know how to, they, they know how to do this. It's a matter of, you know, can it get done? Um, I'd be happy with a, a, my device, my, my pump. I'd be very happy if it acts like my pancreas completely. Right. Where, you know, I don't have to worry about eating whatever I want. So. Okay. So I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and talking about type one diabetes. I know it might not be easy because you don't like to like think about that you have this awful disease sometimes. And as you were saying, mom, it's very troublesome and like it's, it's very worrying and anxiety ridden and you know, it, awful. It sounds like such an annoying pain in the apple disease. <laughs> See, we're not explicit on Dylan's debate. See, okay. see. Okay, okay. so I hope that anyone who's listening to this podcast right now will support any charities created for diabetes and not only for my mom and cousin Peter oh, and to help them in the future, but not only for them, but just for other people who have it. And there could be other people who could have it a lot worse and maybe they can't afford like medical supplies sometimes. So that's, I just really hope that everyone can donate and maybe one day we'll find a cure for this awful disease. Mom, Peter, you guys wanna say something before we sign off? I, I, I love you so much for doing this. I think that you are a superstar and I'm so proud of you. And um, I hope that there is a cure. And um, uh, I love you. I love you too, mom. <laughs> Bill, I love you too. I love your mom. And I would just say that, you know, it's great. You know, 
I love, and you know, I, I love talking about this with our family members and friends. I, we look at it as a, a chance to educate someone else. So the fact that you've done the research, you, you, you've asked uh, the hard questions, uh, you're thinking about it. It's, it's helpful for everyone that has type one and other conditions as well. So thanks for that. And the last thing I'll leave with, because uh, we always talk about the negative. A lot of people say that type one diabetes is not the worst thing that's happened to them because it's it's brought them together with others. It's made us more uh, focused on our health so we can be healthier, perhaps than maybe we would have would not have been uh, without diabetes. So there's there's good things that come when you get a, a terrible diagnosis like diabetes, and it's what we do with it. So I always try to stay positive and and say, how is my life better for this? Uh, which is a strange way of thinking about it, but I think uh, I've done a lot of good things with it, and it's taught me a lot of things. So thanks, thanks for your great questions tonight. <laughs> mom, yeah. my mom, I think she is. Um, she's jealous. <laughs> Are you jealous? Um, I'm, I'm. I think I'm disappointed a little bit in myself because Peter, you know, knows uh, he could a lot show more you. than I do. I mean, he it's never too late. Stuff, mom. Yeah, could, I know. Could, it's never too late to learn more. Never you know, too late. you're not. It's not like you're 90 years old and you think you're supposed to go to hospice well, right now, and you're like, no, it's God, a little really. too late to learn yeah. right now. Yeah, it's never too late. And actually, I am making that move to try and make things better. So. Um, I Peter could help you. You guys could like FaceTime every day and just yes, discuss research about, that you found. Yes, with Peter has like a book club, like a diabetes club, like a diet club. Yeah, a diet club. There you go. Maybe some Italian. All right. All right. Great work, Jill. Love you. Thanks, Thank you guys, Thank you guys so much. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Dylan's Debate. I hope you loved it. Bye. Have a great day. Oh, 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 oh,